Today I'm back with Vince Shields, my friend, jiu-jitsu instructor, and uh, acclaimed competitor. Um, and we're going to talk about Essentialism, a book he recommended about the disciplined pursuit of less. Yes, thank you for that stellar introduction. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Essentialism is a great book. So is uh, Greg McEwen's other book, uh, Effortless. I mean... I think he's just an excellent author in general. I haven't read most of his other... He writes a lot of articles, I think, um, and essays and stuff like that. But I know he's appeared on a couple like famous podcasts, like uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast and stuff like that. So, And it, it like his methodology and his ideas go quite alongside... Tim Ferriss's about uh, like the five hour work week and stuff. If, I'm sure some of your listeners are probably a fan of Tim Ferriss and, and that book too. So yeah. 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 I, I, I like that book too. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I think it doesn't really apply to me yet because I'm not like a manager per se or yeah, or I don't have my own company. <laughs> But uh, it's definitely interesting to 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 listen to, and he, he's yeah. out there. He's an out there guy. He's a uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, eccentric, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, for sure. So, yeah. But it, it, essentialism was a very very helpful book that I think. Yeah, I thought so can apply to anybody's life like not just work life um social life to you know um everything yeah so. yeah 100 percent. and you know if you find yourself stretched too thin if you find that you're like working really hard but not making progress on things uh, if you're constantly busy if you have like this never-ending to-do list these are like signs that this book along with effortless and along with time management for mortals is like a good set of books for you to read. Cause they're like symptoms of a problem where you're just like unfocused, you know? Um, and yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I thought, I mean, the biggest thing for me and one thing he like really speaks on is uh, the ability to, just say no to things and yeah. I find myself a lot of times having trouble saying no to people uh I've always been sort of a people pleaser I don't like disappointing people and and, and sometimes it ends up putting them before myself or it, it ends up in mm -hmm. me agreeing to things that I didn't necessarily want to do and then I either mm -hmm. I either do those things and, and end up like not being happy with it or, you know, just sort of dragging myself through the motions or I mm -hmm. end up flaking last minute or something, which is, is even worse, yeah. you know, like after, yeah, after you I commit feel that. to something, uh, and, and like, there's a lot of techniques he lays out in there, uh, for just being able to say no. Uh, more easily which i'm i'm sure we'll get to but uh yeah one of the th one of the things 
that I liked about what he says or the way he writes is he relates a lot of personal stories from like from his life which is kind of what i wanted to open with if you remember some of the stories he said in the beginning where and i might butcher this because you know i'm paraphrasing obviously but he basically his wife was about to give birth i don't know if you remember this and and yeah this was a brutal one yeah, yeah and he was getting called into a meeting and like he basically says deep down he knew of course, like I'm, I, I, I'm not gonna go to the meeting. I have to be there for my my son or my daughter's birth. Blah blah. blah. I have to be there for my wife. But he, long story short, ends up caving in and going to the meeting while his wife is giving birth. Mm, which it, so bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is not something so brutal. That's not something I would wish on any of any of the listeners or you or me um, but it's just I could see so easily how somebody would do that like in the corporate world you know so how somebody yeah. would feel pressured into doing that because that's what he was saying he was he was like yeah I felt sort of pressured into doing this and they were like well we don't really expect you to say yes but if you did say yes it would be a lot better blah 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 <laughs> So 100%. And the irony with that is like, the client didn't even respect it. You know, like the client was themselves, they were kind of horrified. They were like, you know, you should have set the boundary. Um, you know, so there's just there's just nothing gained, ultimately, you know? Um, yeah, but even if there was like, it's not enough. And I think the the big picture there, and I guess in one of the main points in the book is in general, is people will respect you more for setting boundaries, especially from the beginning, mm-hmm. than you would expect. Like, you might think, oh, if I say no to this, they're going to uh, be upset, um, you know, or I might get fired or whatever. But a lot of times, yeah. you know, there's a lot of anecdotes that he has in the book and just talking about his personal life and other people I know personally who, who set boundaries from the beginning, it, it actually ends up um, earning you more respect, you know? Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. It's like the teacher, you know, like who's like a hard ass, but they're clear up front. They're like, hey, here are the expectations versus a teacher who like pretends to be nice and then later like gets mad and, you know, kind of like tolerates like, you know, shitty behavior for a while then tries to like work backwards it's, it's just you, you never respect that person who's like fake nice you know uh, it's funny you say that i mean this is kind of like a uh, a tangent i guess but like I, did we talk about this last time i don't i don't remember but i was saying like the teachers who i thought would be like the nicest teachers end up being like the biggest assholes and the teachers that yeah. i thought would, were, were gonna be assholes like always ended up being like the coolest teachers you know i think that's true for me too yeah i don't know that's that's always that's always how it's been um but yes yeah why do you why do you think that is i think teachers who appear to be assholes in the beginning are just the ones who have all their priorities laid out 
and you might think it's like intimidating at first, but it's actually way easier to follow. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, no, I think that's true. It's just it's setting boundaries. I mean, it's just like what we were talking about earlier, and uh, I think you know you can apply that in your work life or whatever. But also, where I've found it super helpful is just in in relationships. You know. Yeah. If you yeah. set like a certain boundary from the beginning and say no to things or say like this is the way it's gonna be, then um it's gonna be so much easier for that person who you're whether it's like a friendship or a romantic relationship or a work relationship, uh That's very true. You know, you're setting expectations from the beginning and it's it's way easier said than done. You know, yeah. but I think it's never too late. I think it's never too late and step in to say, I have to respect myself. I can't, you know, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. These are my commitments. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the boundaries piece is really interesting because um, <clears throat> sometimes it's like you're setting boundaries with other people. Sometimes it's like with yourself. You know. Yeah, um, that's a good point. for me. Like, yeah, yeah. Like overall, I have an easier time saying no to like other people than I do to myself. Like, and what I mean by that is, there's always like a random new hobby, a random thing, you know, that's like trying to get my attention, a new something else to listen to, uh, and it's just like, just just distractions pulling me away from the things that actually matter to me, you know. Um, so with this book, like, it's helped me to set set a boundary with myself of like, here are the things that I do. And here are the things that I don't do. Like if I want to do something else, I have to swap something out. You know, I can't just keep adding stuff and adding stuff and like never have enough focus to make progress in anything, you know? I think so many people can relate to that. Like I know I find myself, even when it's time to, uh, when I'm like done with the day basically yeah, or whatever, or I feel like I should be done there's things where it's like, oh, but I didn't do this. Oh, I didn't do uh, Duolingo. Oh, I didn't do... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't stretch for 10 minutes. Uh, I didn't, you know, and it's like, why don't you just finish and relax? You know? Yeah, yeah. Duolingo is the classic example, because that one always pops back up on my phone every every few months where I'm like, oh, maybe... I'm like, no. It's always bugging you. It's always like, hey, hey, come back. Do do a link. Yeah, up. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's always there. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah, and it's it speaks to this problem, which is like there's an infinite number of meaningful, worthwhile things to do, and you don't have enough time to do them all. No. And you never You're will. You're never going you know? to. And and I, I think that's accepting that is one of the hardest things in, in yeah, practice it's, to it do. Is hard. Or, at least for me. And I know you you've Same. talked about this too, yeah. Like, just accepting that, like, you're not going to be able to do everything you want to do in life. Yeah. You know, so so you have to prioritize and you have to. And, I mean, if you do want to do all the things that you want to do, or if you do do all the things you want to do, you're not going to be that good at any of them. Exactly. You know? Exactly. 
So it's like you're trading progress for like reassurance. It's yeah. like, oh, I did five minutes of twenty five things today. Yeah, you know, I, I I did great, but like, you're basically you're just lying to yourself about your mortality, and just like putting it out of your mind. And you're like, I have this god's eye view of these twenty different hobbies, but in reality, you you just haven't like accomplished anything. You know, I used to have oh. I used to have this poem printed out in my old office, like in in, in the actual physical office of my old work. I think I got it from Tim Ferriss's book or, or something. And I, I wish I could remember like who it's by and stuff and, and the actual words. I mean, I could find it later if I, but I don't want to like distract myself and, and Google stuff, but it's basically like you get so many things done in the day, but nothing actually you get, you don't actually get anything done. <laughs> You know, yeah. you ever feel like that? Like you check all these boxes and you're like, oh, I'm done for the day, but like nothing actually got done. It's common. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. You know, like one example of that is like this app that we're working on. Even within that, like that's already so focused, right? It's like one thing. It's a specific thing. We're working on it. Yeah. But when I'm trying to like, you know, code the app, instead of coding the app, I've been like working on the most random shit. Like that's like really, I've been like, oh, I have to learn like the iOS foundation library, which is like, has nothing to do with the app really. But I've convinced myself I have to like learn like all of iOS before I can code this app and or like work on this one ticket, uh, which is, yeah, it's just insane. It's not it's totally not necessary, but it also feels cool and it feels right. So you want to, yeah, exactly. Do that thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you can be busy doing that all day. You still haven't like finished the feature that you're trying to work on, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's like, when you're doing it, it feels like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm getting all this. I'm learning all this cool new shit. But at the end yeah, of the exactly. day, how is it actually helping you, you know? And, and I think that's what you have to do is you have to find things that really are going to benefit your actual goals that you're trying to get done. Not just, oh, this looks cool. Oh, I'm learning a new language. Oh, I'm getting more flexible. Oh, I'm, I don't know. Whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah. You have to prioritize, yeah. and, and, and I guess we're making it sound maybe a little scarier than it is, because it, it it's not as hard, I think, once you get the hang of it, you know? Or, once you get the hang of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you definitely got to trim the fat, and, and that can be hard, you know? It becomes addictive, like, and liberating once you do it, but it's like, it, I found it, you know, um, definitely, like, scary at first. At first, it was like, you know just hard to like listen to because it's like yeah i want to do all this stuff you know it all seems so interesting but then when you actually do cut it down like i don't know my my daily list of stuff was like 18 items i cut it down to like five after like reading this book and i feel so much better and i'm getting like i'm making more progress and i'm feeling a lot less stressed but it was horrifying to like cut it down what, what were some of, like, the easiest things to cut away, and, and what were some of the hardest things? I would say 
cutting back a lot on coding was a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's something I find really interesting and like, you know, it gives you a lot of self-sufficiency to be able to like code up your own like prototypes for things. But the, the reality is like, if I have limited time, I should focus on product growth, like the things that I'm actually already kind of like, you know, have some depth in, you know, so I can actually add value. Um, the other thing I would say is like cutting back on superfluous workouts to do more jujitsu, you know, Mm -hmm. like lift twice a week, like, you know, don't, don't try to like add in like too many striking classes unless we hit pads or something like once in a while, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like limit the amount of like judo and other stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. that was tough. Yeah. There's definitely a couple different thoughts, schools of thought out on that um you know there's people like marcelo garcia who think like all you should do is train jiu-jitsu like you don't even need to do like a fucking push-up you know just 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 train jiu-jitsu hard every day you know twice a day or whatever whatever it is once a day twice a day and there's people like who train once a day and then do like strength training in the afternoon or train you know four or five times a week and the other days just do strength training or or mm-hmm. you know all, all these other types of cross training stuff so it really with that you kind of have to figure out like what you enjoy like it has to be fun you know yeah. i would say like if you are doing jujitsu a lot and then all of a sudden you feel like this is a burden it's time to switch it up like add in some yoga you know add in some kettlebells um yeah just make it not so mundane and i guess that's true for life too i mean that's the thing you have to be careful with with the essentialism too because you don't want to just focus on only the boring things too you want to have some room for having fun you know but i think that's kind of the point uh mccune's making too is like if you try to do so many things you're never gonna have time for the fun things you know you're that's true you're not not gonna have time to spend with family and and i mean that's that shit's so important you know like especially if you have kids or whatever you want to you don't want to be those that those parents that kind of put their kids on the back burner and like use work as an excuse to like not raise your kids, you know? Like oh yeah. Have them raised by a nanny or, or for sure. Whatever. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like yeah. that's, that's how I was raised. Well, yeah, but like, I, I take your point. Like you want to like be able to dedicate yourself to like your commitments and having a kid is like a huge commitment. Um, but like for the other ones too, you just got to set your goal, right? Like for example, it, for you, like you're, you're like a, a much higher level competitor, you know, in jujitsu. So your goals in jujitsu are not the same as mine. And therefore like you might be willing to make like deeper sacrifices than, than I would. Right. Or like, depending on like what it is, you know, like how, for example, in your work life, like how much is your work life about 
like achievement versus satisfaction or like taking care of your family versus like working on interesting problems or all these different things, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I think in terms of jujitsu, like we're, we're more similar than you might think. I mean, yes, I'm a serious competitor and all that, but I'm not like, I'm lucky enough to actually work in real life also, which is, which is, I mean, it's good and bad. Like I, I would be happy doing just jujitsu or, or whatever, but I think, uh, in, in my work life and how it relates to the rest of my life, I think just the most important thing for me that's, I've been doing a lot better. And I think that has been allowing me to be a little bit more successful and in like all the aspects is just consistency, you know? Like, I don't necessarily try to be outstanding or anything in in either jujitsu or work or relationships, but I'm consistently doing the things that I'm supposed to or that people, like, expect. Like, I'm consistently competing or I'm consistently, Mm -hmm. like, handing in my projects on time. I'm at work. You know online when people expect me to be and i'm answering questions when people expect me to be or and like i'm i'm home with the girl like when when i'm expected to be like all all that consistency i think uh yeah that's all somebody can ask of you really and that's all you can ask of yourself and i think if you start doing that like all the other good stuff will follow you know yeah, you'll find a way to be outstanding eventually, um, and you'll find a way to to trim the fat. Like you'll you'll say, "Oh, this is too much, or this is too little, and this is what I really need to prioritize, or this is what I really want." You know, especially if you're in between, yeah. you're not sure like what exactly you want out of either work or school or whatever area of life you're in if you just stick your nose to the grindstone and kind of just go, uh, eventually you'll find your path. Maybe. Yeah. No, I think that's so true. I think that's so true. Cause like while you're doing that, you're getting information. Um, and you're getting like a new vantage point and it also speaks to what you were saying about fun where, you know, if you have like a small set of things, like three to five things you're pursuing in a consistent way, that leaves room for fun and that leaves space for you to just like enjoy things. Um, but if you're trying to like consistently commit yourself to like a way more than that, um, you're, you're grinding all the fun and spontaneity out of your life. And you also don't have energy to like really gain traction on those three to five things. Like, so on my list, I also had like drawing on the iPad as like a thing to practice every day and playing guitar and trying to like, you know, like write consistently and like a bunch of other things too. And it's like any one of those things is an entire like career's worth. And again, three to five of those things, maybe, right? But it's just, if you think about work, family and friends, jujitsu slash working out, um, the podcast and like working on the app, that's a, that's a lot. So that's much. enough stuff. That's already so Yeah, much. that that's like, that's the outer limit, you know, really like. Yeah, I mean, having a podcast is a whole job, you know? I mean, people make careers out of that, and if if it's going to be good, you have to put in a lot of time to it, and you you might not have time to practice guitar every day, 
or yeah, hundred percent. You know, yeah, and I mean, in terms of work, like I, I have this like planner here. I don't know if you can see. Yeah, I, I like, I write down basically three main things that I have to do that day, and I plan the week ahead of time, and then mm. I just check those things off, you know. And, uh, that's just for work. So if I, once I get, that's once smart. I get those done, then I can feel okay about pursuing like the other things that I want to do with my day. Yeah. You know, but it is, that's, that's actually, actually really smart. I think I'm going to try that out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a, I got part of that. I got from essentialism, uh, his other book, <laughs> I mean, um, effortless and then the other the other part i got from uh i don't know if you know liver king oh but yeah he, yeah he always talks about like getting in front of your planner and stuff <laughs> so some surprisingly uh surprisingly good advice well i mean the guy's got to be like good at getting shit done because you know he's clearly built himself up in social media and physically and he has this compound so mm-hmm. yeah he he eccentric though he may be you know yeah i i don't know why people hate <laughs> on him so much honestly like i mean i guess yeah. i guess because he denies steroid use which it could be that's a little goofy a little yeah it's a little goofy but what's he supposed to do and 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 like he barely sells his products i feel like like he he's not like some of these other fitness influencers that are like I got jacked because of this product. And it's like, no, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't. Like, yeah, he's all he's telling you to do is like take an ice bath, walk barefoot in the sun and like maybe buy his like liver King bar, but he barely even says that, you know? Yeah. So my thing is like, I think my, my main like issues with liver King would be two things. Or really one thing, but two two incarnations of it, it's really dosage. Like I, I, I'm sure liver is good for you and organ meats are good for you. I'm not sure if that quantity of organ meats is good for you. And the second thing I would say is with sunlight, I know like people don't get enough sunlight on their skin. There's a lot, a lot of good evidence that like, you know, 30 to 60 minutes of sunlight on your, on your skin has like really good impact. But there is also skin cancer, and I do worry about like the amount, like the quantity of like sun exposure. But anyway, that's just no, nah, dude. Uh, you know, like I used to play tennis. Like that was my high school sport. And yeah. one of my one of my coaches, uh, this guy Jeff Aaron's, shout out. He like he played in in Wimbledon and stuff. He's a really good coach. Mm. But he got like melanoma when he was uh like my age or maybe even a little bit younger oh that sucks and, uh, now he obviously still coaches tennis but he has to like wear like all like he wears like pants and long sleeve shirt even if it's like 100 degrees he wears like pants and, and long sleeve shirts and one of those like huge sun hats you know um yeah it makes sense yeah uh, yeah, so that's that's a real yeah. that's a real concern too. And, but people who are big like proponents of getting sunlight will say like, oh, well, that's also because of the sunscreen industry, and it's like that's because people 
who are in the sun like disproportionately use sunscreen and sunscreen is what's like giving you cancer but like that could also be an issue of like reverse causality right like it's probably the opposite it's probably like people who use sunscreen are more likely to be in the sun and therefore more likely to get cancer from the sun right right i i think i think that that would probably make more sense so i will say like there's no harm in just getting like the most effective like safest sunscreen you can like if you get like the cheap sunscreen i have heard some of those chemicals can cross the blood brain barrier so you know like spring for the expensive stuff and get sun exposure but like maybe wear like a sun shirt or a hat like after a certain amount of time you know that's what i would say i don't know that's what i would say i I would say like after 15 minutes like if you're super white like me especially yeah exactly not much benefit to it anymore so wear a hat you know wear a sunshine yeah yeah you know we're i mean yeah if you're not scared of sunscreen wear sunscreen but like the lurking is 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 a response to the opposite right which is like a bunch of people who stay inside and like you know are living this super weird artificial life like out of the sun not working out like eating weird processed foods so like there's a reason why his message is so compelling and going more in that direction like probably will help a lot of people yeah i just i just think for somebody who's like a fitness influencer he's so harmless like compared to to these other people out there you know like he's just telling you yeah just telling you to like bond with your family you know like like get in the cold yeah that's fair get some sun on you (laughs) like that's that's true that's that's very fair and and like he even says like you don't have to do exactly what i do just like eat some liver you know yeah yeah that that is a very mild message that's true yeah and like the thing the thing about liver though is like uh i think the biggest thing that people point to for its health is like the vitamin the vitamin a or whatever back i mean correct me if i'm wrong but there you can get that in a lot of other sources too like it's not just liver yeah i feel like you can i like carrots (laughs) most things you can get from a lot of sources like the only things that are kind of weird is like things like selenium where you get it from like brazil nuts yeah. or like farm runoff yeah <laughs> yeah and that's that's like a big one that like impacts your testosterone production right selenium really does, I does think it so i'm not sure or it, yeah. ha- it plays a part uh, okay i have some brazil nuts I, I just haven't been eating them so maybe i should actually eat them yeah get get more jacked dude yeah i heard i heard that on huberman lab and i was like oh shit let me buy some brazil nuts but then <laughs> i don't know yeah, people talk about like bioavailability in foods and stuff, and I don't know how real that, that that stuff is. I mean, like one thing's more bioavailable than another. I don't know. Like, I'm sure that's true. I just feel like there's so many variables to dial in that would probably like make a bigger difference before you get to that. You know. Like, if you're hyper-optimized, like, super athlete, then hell yeah, like, you know, like, dig into that. But I feel like, for me personally, 
I don't know. I could probably just like lift more, try to sleep better, you know, train more, take notes, ask better questions. Yeah. You know, sleep you know. is huge for like hormone oh. production and stuff. Yeah. Sleep is super huge. Um, Dude, I slept so bad this weekend. Same. Uh, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was great, but it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. But, uh, putting in that consistency, yeah, yeah. staying consistent, you know, even though we're both tired as hell. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I feel like both of our eyes are like barely open the, <laughs> compared to like normal. The podcast is essential. This is, this is essentialism in practice right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. This is one. I'm glad you recommended this book because this book has directly like impacted my day to day, like in in a lot of ways. Yeah. So you, you, know? you cut out extra coding, and you cut out things like guitar and 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 uh, the other activities. But is there anything? Is there anything like Duolingo? Is there anything you weren't focusing on that you realized was more essential than you thought it was, or? now that you have kind of more time that you're like more excited to to do actually yeah so a couple of things that that i added were, were like in the morning when i get up i don't look at my phone i've been reading um stuff like marcus aurelius just for a little bit uh, and then like meditating and journaling before I like jump on my phone or argue with an Aikido guy on Reddit oh or something. God, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That, yeah. But that, that's really helped my brain. You know, like I just feel like it just like has changed the way my days feel because I'm less like in a weird state, you know, of like digital, I don't know, brain damage. <laughs> yeah. You know? Dude, I've, I've found myself kind of avoiding social media a lot more especially instagram and uh even like today when i i like logged on and i was like looking at something and i was like oh like getting kind of like jealous of this person i'm like why this is not helping me like looking at this right now you know like how is yeah. how is this essential at all like it, yeah it's even worse than reading the news dude like which is one thing that that the author mentioned in the book is like how Gandhi didn't look at the news because he didn't want to want to see any bad news or something. Yeah, and it, or just to like fill his head with like propaganda. Yeah, and and, yeah. and that's that's one thing that definitely. I mean, I already didn't sort of look at the news that much. I got most of my news same Reddit, but hundred percent. I mean. Yeah, the mainstream press is a business. You know what I mean? Like, they're business just like social media. Like, they're they're trying to get your attention. Yeah, and I, but my point is, is like, I think social media is even worse sometimes. Like, following your your friends who are like trying to make their lives look amazing and like, oh yeah, if you're kind of down or you're kind of not feeling great and and you see someone else's life like amazing. You know, I, 100%. I definitely recommend like, yeah, at least doing what you do first, you know, journaling or, or, uh, meditating, um, before you 
before you try to go on social media. It just, it just it doesn't serve it doesn't serve me well right now in my life. Sometimes it sometimes it has, you know. And it's helpful for yeah. like self promotion and all that for sure, you know. And if that's your kind of area, then then it's really yeah. good. But uh, yeah. But with with the self promotion, there are some tricks you can use to kind of like distance yourself from it and not get pulled in. You know, like for Twitter, I was using this tool called Hype Fury. So instead of going on Twitter and just like scroll doom scrolling, with Hype Fury, you just have like five slots and you like you know write out your stuff for the day and then you see like a feed of only like people who you're trying who you want to engage with um so it's a very focused experience and it feels more like micro blogging than it does just like a vortex of like just getting into fights with people like with reddit it serves me only if i like never comment yeah which that's you know me like i don't i don't comment that often on on reddit to be honest yeah um (laughs) but (laughs) you're so cordial on there anyway it's like not not that big of a deal and i mean you're just having fun i guess but it i could see how like you'd be there like this this fucking motherfucker like thinking like it just wastes so much time you know it's it is fun but it just wastes so much i i every every few months it's similar to duolingo I download Reddit and get into some random flame war like this. And then I just delete the ad because I'm like, I just wasted a day. Literally, I wasted my morning yeah. on this. It was fun, but yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but Reddit, it, like, it, it's so much better because, yeah, you can, like, pick and choose what you want to see. And you don't have to, like, deal with that if you don't want to, you know. And Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And I know YouTube gets a lot of hate, but, like, I just go on like my my youtube al- algorithms all just like people cooking and like maybe some jujitsu techniques and then like maybe like some reviews on video games or something and it, it's it's a cool way to like not whereas like if i log on instagram and i see people i know like doing shit and i'm like Duh, this person blah 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 but youtube you just kind of find cool shit to explore you know, you know, a book I think you would really like that's like related to this stuff is um, the Stoic Challenge by William Irvine. Okay. Basically, like he's a professor that studies Stoicism, but he's also like a practicing Stoic. And the Stoic philosophy, a lot of it is like based around getting perspective on your situation by anchoring your expectations against like what things are really like. So, for example. The other day I went on Sotheby's like luxury realty and I was looking at these like million dollar houses and I was like, I'm feeling some envy. So instead I was like, what if I look up a hut in Ivory coast and see what that's like, you know, like on the inside or what if I look up like a a favela, most people live like that, not like the other thing. And I'm actually very like lucky to be in the situation I'm in, you know? Yeah. Um, So like that's one stoic technique, but he talks about a lot of others where you can kind of like, shift your perception so that you um you have a lot more like gratitude and like realism you know about how lucky you really are you know that that is really good advice and i mean i i've tried i try to i'm usually pretty good at at looking at it like that or at least like i i go through like phases where i'm just thinking feeling 
whatever about my situation and then i remember like oh yeah. i'm actually like pretty lucky about all this stuff yeah like, yeah to, to have the friends i have to have the people i know to yeah just all that the opportunities you know so mm-hmm. it's a lot yeah it, it's a lot oh for yeah. sure yeah you might like that book because you just kind of like you know you see the like better angels of your nature in there or you're like, yeah, like in my good mom in my good moments, like this is how I am, you know. It kind of like reinforces that, you know. Maybe I felt that a little bit where I'm like, when I'm when I'm being wise, this is how I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, what is that? What is that book called again? I'm gonna write it down. Um, it's called the Stoic Challenge. Okay. Yeah, it goes well with this whole theme of just like trying to just live in a more intelligent way that makes more sense, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, I I feel like stoicism definitely relates to essentialism though. Like the whole, the whole practice of it, um, just kind of like the idea that you can only worry about what you can control, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, that's, that's something that, the essentialist would speak to you know mm-hmm. like less is better <laughs> for example yeah. like a, that's one of the bi- the big tenants right less is better and mm-hmm. i don't know that philosophy has uh improved my life tremendously because uh, yeah it's really obvious or uh, not obvious um it's really tempting to think that the more you do, like the better you'll be, the more you yeah. put out, the more you'll get out. And it's just not, that's just not how life is, you yeah. know? Um, it's, it's, it's all about doing the most out of the least, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I think uh, yeah, there's like diminishing returns in terms of like work-life balance and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you don't put yourself first, like somebody else will, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's even like a direct quote from from the book. If you don't priorit- mm-hmm. prioritize yourself, somebody else will. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i mean have you found it difficult to prioritize yourself in the workplace or in in like your personal life at all mm-hmm. um i think i think for me it's actually been the opposite in a way where it's like over the past few years what i've found is i'm cutting out more more of the random stuff that I'm like drawn towards so I can give more to my work and stuff like that because I'm actually pretty decent at setting boundaries with work you know um and I also I want to make sure you know I like my job I like my team I want to make sure I'm like delivering enough where you know like I'm doing it justice you know um but do you feel bad so for, for me it's a little opposite yeah do you feel bad for like saying no to meetings any times or 
not in the moment, but when I zoom out, it's more like overall, am I delivering what I need to deliver? And am I, am I doing this justice? You know, like for any particular meeting, I feel, I, I think it depends on what, you know, like as well. Um, that's like true. last week I canceled some stuff that's true. for a meeting just cause. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely find found it hard to, to say no to meetings and stuff in the beginning. I think probably just cause yeah. I started a new job and you don't want to disappoint people and stuff, but yeah, yeah I, I just think this book definitely helped me realize people might not look down on you saying no like they might actually respect you yeah. more for saying no and feel like you're even more busy yeah. than you actually are right right yeah. now that's a good point that's a good point but, i mean now, now that i think about it if point blank one of my coworkers were like hey you know can you meet right now we really need to meet i guess i have said no if it if it really doesn't make sense you know like for example we come in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or whatever. And if, if the days are like randomly changed, I usually won't like change my schedule. If it's like really last minute, you know, I won't like switch the days I'm coming in because I've planned my whole week so I can make it to jujitsu. So I can, you know, fulfill family commitments and all this stuff. And like by randomly switching days, I'm going to have to like blow all that up. And like, so, so I feel like I've, I've been decent at that. Um, for me, it's more like save me from myself. It's more like trying to do 27 things, buying nine instructionals, you know, and just needing to be like, no, 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 you know, like focus. <laughs> yeah, I think I think jujitsu is a good metaphor for this. Um, like when I teach, I when I first started teaching, I found myself like, giving out too much info and then people would just feel overwhelmed with with like too much to remember and things like that and now i almost am like the opposite extreme where it's like okay focus on this like one technique for like a month you know Mm -hmm. until you get it down perfectly and then you can move on to the next thing yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's exactly like the, the, the brain works with clutter the same way like a room would, you know, mm-hmm. when there's too much clutter, like there's no space to move around, you know, and I think yeah. that's true, yeah. like especially with jujitsu or, or any other sport, maybe even like coding where it's like if you're trying to focus on all these different projects or trying to learn all these different coding skills, you won't really be good at one thing and you won't be able to zoom in on a, on a, on yeah. a micro level. Like everything will be on a macro level, you know? And I know that you're not going to retain it. Yeah. yeah. I know there's some people out there that are just geniuses that can absorb a ton of information. And if you're one of those people, that's fine. But for most of us, it, I don't know. I work best on taking things one step at a time, you know? Yeah, because it's also like, even if you know the information, to actually use it effectively is a different thing. You know what I mean? Exactly, like, yeah. Like, I could regurgitate 
the steps described in an instructional on how to like escape from a pin, but to do it requires like implicit knowledge or a tweak or like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or conversation or like you to observe and be like, Oh, here's something you're, you're doing wrong that you haven't even thought of, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but you can only get that by like, by, by doing things, um, you know, there's so many people yeah. in jujitsu that can like demonstrate a technique, but when it comes time to actually like go live, they can't do that or they find that it doesn't work yeah. as well as they thought or something, you know, I mean, that's why I always tell you guys just to roll as much as possible, you know, and, and find out yeah. what works for you. And it's, it's kind of like in this world we want, a quick fix for everything we want you to like mm-hmm. we want to be able to be like i'm having a problem you know escaping side control or, or finishing an arm bar or <clears throat> whatever it is and then we want someone just to tell us oh you just have to do this thing and it and, and you'll be perfect again and everything's fine yeah you know and i think like a lot of people this is random but like a lot of people go into like therapy like that like oh i just want you to tell me this like one thing to do and it'll fix my depression or whatever and it's like no it's it's a work in process everything is a process you know and there there is yeah. no like one thing you can you can do to to get to get a whole slew of problems improved with with one sitting yeah you know yeah there's a good good quote on that by uh this like vc called ben horowitz which i think you might like which is there are no silver bullets just like a lot of lead bullets <laughs> you know um yeah and i think you know that that captures it where it's like yeah you just gotta like slug it out just you know bit by bit by bit over long periods of time but with, with, even with that though like you know you need to to focus on a target right in order to make progress like you, you need to have that like pursuit of less in, in order to actually like get anywhere with it yeah yeah to a certain degree yeah so one thing i thought um there was in- an interesting comparison that greg McKeon yeah. made in essentialism is he kind of compared uh essentialism or like the application of essentialism in your life to a closet. And he basically said essentialism is like the practice of clearing out your closet and making space yeah. in your closet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know like when I look at my closet, I'm just like, damn, I'm not an essentialist at all. <laughs> like, uh, like I, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's so much I and I mean it probably could be worse. You know? Uh I'm definitely not a minimalist. You know, where like I have only like a couple of clothes that I wear. I definitely have like an emotional attachment to certain shirts or sweatshirts that I don't wanna get rid of. And, and it's just like you'll find some things in there, right? It's like, oh, I haven't worn this in years. Like, I didn't even know this was here, but I don't want to get rid of it, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And I think we all have, yeah. we all have like those things in life too, which is like, like, yeah, maybe it's like a game or like an old friend or something. It's like, you haven't heard, you haven't heard yeah. from this person in like two or three years and then they pop back in and it's like, Oh, like, where have you been? You know, it's like, I don't want to get rid of you, even though, I don't know. I mean, what's your closet looking like these days? <laughs> After the grappling dummy, it's looking a, a, l- a little better. Cause <laughs> you got rid of it. Because, you know, it's like a compromise. I don't have to throw stuff out. I can just shove in the dummy, and then it's like half it. thrown out. You know? Yeah, stuffed, yeah. You stuffed the dummy with your old emotional half like you know halfway in halfway out close baggage yeah. <laughs> yeah so you can apply it to friends too like you can lock them in the basement if yeah. you can't get rid of them yeah. all together you can use them as grappling yeah. dummies you know right make sure you feed them enough though yeah exactly <laughs> they have to have energy otherwise you will yeah no but i mean you know what i'm saying like the friends is just an example it, the friends is a good example though yeah. because you know it's emotionally hard it's not easy to like cut cut people or things out and find that focus and it does yeah. carry baggage right like yeah. like people that i don't know you used to be friends with and like maybe you had like kind of a falling out but not a direct falling out and you don't yeah, yeah like there's there's always people always have have uh people like that you know i think oh yeah for and, sure uh, it for sure it definitely carries sad it carries a weight at least for me because like i said in the beginning i'm, I'm a people pleaser mm-hmm. so it's like i i don't know i don't want to i always find myself worrying about someone who doesn't necessarily like care about me you know oh that's that's too bad yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean i think well i I think a lot of people can relate to that right for sure and it's not like you really like worry about them or or you you care about them but it's like in the back of your head like maybe they're they're like still in your phone contacts or something you know yeah 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 i know what you mean i know what you mean i i know what you mean my my fiance is like you know is is more like that than me but i have some people in my life like that you know and i also have some people who like you know are old friends where you kind of half fell out but like not clearly like um yeah i had this one friend who you know we lived in um in upstate new york and like we were really close in in high school and he was like a really like country country ass guy you know he never smoked weed or anything yeah and when he came up to visit me in college, I like dosed him with a mysterious substance, uh, and he was like not mentally ready for it at all. Yeah. And I feel like we had a subtle falling out after that. And yeah, I feel bad, <laughs> bad about that to this day. He knew, but yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. I think you're. I think you're. But you're one of those people that's like good at not letting shit like that drag you down. And I think. I think we all have friends that we kind of grow out of too, right? Yeah. Or we definitely all have friends that we should grow out of. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I think that's true. It's, it's weird. Cause I've heard that men have more episodic friendships like that. And women tend to have like friendships that, you know, carry over across like longer periods of time. Um, but I have some friends who I've known for, for a long time and like, they're still in my life, even though we've kind of like diverged over time. Yeah, now. I have a, I have yeah. friends like that too. I have a lot of friends that I've I've known since I was like a kid, and we don't necessarily talk all the time, but we know that we're still friends, you know. But I yeah. I have situations like that too where I did something that I never really like got the chance to apologize for, and now I I feel like if I apologize, it'd be kind of weird or too late or something or like. It's like, why are you even bringing that up? But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think that's that's a great example of what I was trying to talk about. Like, like things you remember. It's yeah. Like, fuck. I wish I didn't. You know, dose my friend with whatever. <laughs> like, maybe I should yeah, say something, yeah. but but we have to let that go. I think you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know. I, I think that's true. I think it also like applies to other things, right? Like for example, you know, um, let's take drawing or something, right? Like the reason I was into that is because, you know, over time, like that's something that really interested me, right? I have this history with it. I used to do it in school, whatever doodle on my notebooks. And it's, you know, it's something where I see the appeal of it and I've been kind of on and off doing it. So similar to the friend situation, I have this kind of like emotional baggage and investment, but the reality is it's not like core to what I'm trying to do. And it shouldn't be like one of my consistent things where for an hour plus per day, I'm cultivating this thing, you know? Um, so it's kind of like that hard choice. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you use the word, choice there too um because i think like it's important to make the distinction between like what your options are and what your choices are it's like interesting like yeah a choice a choice is an action right you know a choice Mm -hmm. is like a verb it's you choosing to do something and an option is like what you can choose to do and i think i'm pretty sure that's something that's brought up in the book too which is like making Mm -hmm. the distinction from like your external options and like what your choices are and maybe maybe you have more choices than you think or you have more options than you think your choices are and etc you know i mean yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom like that in this book. And the author is really good at like pointing out dual meanings of, of words and like how the connotation of how it how it impacts like our choices and like the, the meaning of it all. Yeah. Yeah, there is something very deep like about this book where he like, you know, quotes philosophers and he's getting at like, you know, problems that have plagued humanity for since time immemorial, you know, about like just a sense of um, 
never being able to get there, never having enough time, never being able to accomplish it all, uh, feeling overstretched, having kind of having your agenda taken over by other people. Like these are issues that have just like always existed. Um, <clears throat> though to varying degrees. Yeah. They're, they're worse now than they were. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think it definitely applies specifically to our time or at least now. So more than ever, like, yeah, like the, the corporate space, people kind of taking over your, schedule or determining what your schedule is and i mean that happens all too often i think in, yeah. in the workplace and uh yeah Pe- people people are gonna take advantage of you are gonna take advantage of your schedule you know mm-hmm. they're gonna try to determine what what you need to do with your day and and you mm-hmm. have to be there setting boundaries you know yeah 100% and there's a way in which this applies to like product development to its startups where every customer has their own agenda for what your product should be because they're their own individual person but it's your job to set the boundaries and be like here's the product vision and like here's what we're going to do we're not going to have that feature creep and turn this into like a swiss army knife that does like 75 things yeah yeah you know? yeah so it's like another way which you say no you know, I mean, do yeah. you find that with your podcast too? Like, do you find yourself trying to cater to a certain group of people instead of like just doing what you want to do or talking about what yeah. you want to so talk I, about? Th- there's kind of like two sides to that. So, so one side of that is, um, one side of that is, are we unfocused about just like talking about? kind of whatever all the time or are we focused about like you know what we're talking about and who we're talking to but on the flip side it's like yeah like our, do we allow do we have audience capture do we allow our audience to kind of like dictate you know what we say and what we believe um our audience is is pretty small right now yeah. um and you know the, the ones of them who engage with us we're like almost friends with so yeah. um so I feel like we don't have terrible audience capture when, when we do, it's mostly like, you know, they want us to like explore this point or like consider this other aspect or dig into this. So it's not too bad yet. Um, well, I think that's the allure of, of like smaller media. I mean, podcasting for sure, especially smaller podcasts, but I mean, that was the whole thing with like streaming too, right? Is that you actually get to interact with the person who's like creating the content you know, yeah. as opposed to yeah. like old school media outlets like radio or, you know, mm-hmm. television sitcoms. Like, mm-hmm. there are no way like the actors or the writers of the sitcoms like read comments about the sitcoms and stuff. Or, But when, yeah. you're, a con- when oh, yeah. you're a content creator today, like through YouTube or, or whatever, like you actually get to interact with your audience, which... Mm-hmm. I think can drive some people crazy and, and it makes it too, too much like catering to somebody else. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's, it's what makes this, these media outlets so great. Like it's, it's something you can interact with, something you can play around with, you know? 
Yeah, and it's also where the trust comes from, where, you know, when you see glossy, like, mainstream um, commentators, like, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel, like, zero trust because they just don't seem like human beings at all. But with independent commentators, I know they're not perfect. Like, I know when Joe Rogan is, like, talking about the wolf population, like, yeah, some of the things he's saying are not factually correct, <laughs> but he he's just, like, a, you know, he's just, like, a, a guy, and, you know... I trust that he is what he is, you know? Exactly. No, that's a perfect point. I mean, pe- people know, like, who you are, and they know what to expect, you know? Yeah. And, and everybody says ridiculous things. And I think, yeah, I think, like, yeah. mainstream media, it's, like, put on a pedestal where it's, like, oh, if you say something wrong, you know, you're going to get criticized a lot. So that's why, mm-hmm. uh, that's why it follows such a strict formula, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, it's like, yeah, yeah, nobody watches that stuff anymore. You know, like, um, only older people. Yeah. Uh, what's, what was the yeah. big sitcom? Like Saturday night live. Or oh yeah. It's yeah. It's just like, no, 100%, nobody, nobody yeah. watches that anymore. Uh, yeah yeah that's so true i which is kind of a bummer you know because like we all used to watch that stuff before they all like kind of threw away their credibility and their relationships with everyone you know well you realize like podcasting and streaming is so much better because you do you have like you have a more intimate relationship with the content creator and you and it's like more catered towards you you know you can follow a podcast that talks about things you like you know like essentialism yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly yeah it's so true it's it's uh i remember when uh this whole the whole podcasting first started I, i mean do you remember like do you remember the first podcast you ever listened to Originally, it was probably NPR podcasts. Honestly, okay. yeah, I think those are the first ones I got like into. Radio Lab yeah. or something. Yeah, it was. I, I actually might have been Radio yeah. Lab. Radio Lab is was a yeah. good podcast. Yeah, it was super yeah. like well produced and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember the fr- <laughs> I remember the first podcast I listened to. It was a, it was a Joe Rogan podcast, and it was like number two. 40 something and oh and wow was, that, that's early yeah it was yeah. like 2010 2011 and it yeah. was <laughs> it was this guy dr stephen greer and i just remember mm. like my friend came up to me and he's like dude you gotta listen to this and i was like what is this he's like it's a podcast he's like this convinced me like i'm convinced that aliens exist <laughs> because of this podcast and, Yo, I should go back and listen dude, to that. <laughs> it, it was crazy because Joe Rogan, like, never talked about this guy again. But, like, he basically came on Joe Rogan and said, like, he had to debrief Obama on, like, aliens and stuff. And, like... What? I, I'm, I'm dead... <laughs> That's I'm, heavy. Dude, I'm, I'm yeah. dead serious. Like, uh, it, his name is Dr. Stephen Greer. And he's like, yeah, you can contact aliens through transcendental meditation and shit like that. 
And I was just like, that's insane. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I was like, I was yeah. in 11th grade or something like that. And I was listening to this. Yeah, and I was yeah. Like, what, the, what the fuck is this? Are you, are you serious? And that changed my life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Thing. And, uh, <laughs> for sure. Were you training jujitsu at that point? Uh, let's see. I was, I was just starting jujitsu. Yeah. I, well, Okay. Because I had started training at Fairtex in like 2011. Yeah, so it was that year. Um, I started with Muay Thai, actually. I got inspired by um, that Tony Jaw movie, Ong Bak. Oh, I do. I love that yeah, movie. And like, I wa- That's a great I movie. I wanted to do Muay Thai after I saw that. And I. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I started. There was, there was a gym, like, actually right next to Sarau over there, um, where that Evolution Training Center is now on Old Middlefield. Mm-hmm. That used to be a Fairtex. And I, oh, it, really? That's yeah, cool. Yeah, and I went, I went there to do Muay Thai, and then I, that's actually where I met Leo, and I started doing Jiu-Jitsu there. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And then that, that, was, uh, that was how it started. I, uh, I'm not one of those people that started jujitsu because of Joe Rogan. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. It's just a big group of people. Yeah. I think I started after listening to Jocko's podcast. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he, you know, obviously he like talks it up a lot where he's like, Hey, it's a great vehicle for personal improvement. And also it's like useful as a martial art it's one of the small handful that's actually useful and yeah i mean I, that's definitely true um you're very yeah. about that about like the usefulness of muay thai and, and jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. like you're very yeah i mean that yeah yeah no, go, go well, ahead. well i was gonna say like the usefulness of it has like gone down for dramatically for me like over the years as i've become like not stupid like i don't see it really being useful to me at all now because i don't like go out to like nightclubs and like get into random like situations where it would be useful you know but but yeah i here's what i don't want i don't want to be like a trained martial artist for years and then just like get my ass kicked that seems silly yeah that to me seems silly yeah yeah i still think that can happen though for sure, yeah. You know, You're not gonna eliminate that totally, but you know, I think like a lot of people get too caught up on the debate of like what what is like the most effective martial art or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think you should do just like what makes you happy. I- I mean, I would be lying, though, if I didn't say that, like, one of the reasons why I did jujitsu is because it was, like, I felt that it was more practical than, like, striking arts, you know? And and I felt that, like, yeah, it's also, like, an easier way to, to, like, immobilize someone. Like, you don't have to knock somebody out if you're really good at controlling somebody on the ground or through grappling. Um, you know, you don't even have to hurt somebody to to stop a fight exactly yeah it's safer for them safer for you and Um, you see i mean we have data on this you know like 
you see like for the longest history of of mixed martial arts and and you know like these these mixed fights uh the grapplers always do like like somebody who doesn't know any grappling versus somebody who knows a lot like of course the person who knows a lot is gonna win 100 percent. yeah, yeah. But. yeah like like now i feel like jiu-jitsu gets more shade because everybody in the ufc knows how to grapple at a high level yeah so you know <laughs> it's like it's like the consequence is massive success basically no it gets a lot of shade from like wrestlers who think that like jiu-jitsu is a very passive sport because you just pull guard and kind of play off your back and stuff and it's not practical for um street fighting and stuff like that which there's some merit yeah. to that argument there definitely is but it's, it's yeah. also like there, there's some when you're in an arm yeah. bar you're pretty fucked yeah and, and also like with jiu-jitsu you don't get points for for being in guard like it, it's not like that that's emphasized like you you get points for you know being in mount, being in rear mount, being in side control, positions that you can strike from. And actually, like, in points-based jiu-jitsu, the highest percentage submissions are the same as the highest percentage submissions in MMA. So the argument isn't really there, because, like, jiu-jitsu has a top game. It just also happens that there's a bottom game, which there isn't in wrestling, really. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely heavily favored, though, in some, especially in some organizations, like, yeah. If if nobody sco- if yeah. nobody scores points, they might give it to the person on bottom. You know, like yeah. in guard at least. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, yeah, there's just a big group of people who like get mad at guard pullers. You know, which is people who just sit down on the ground instead of trying to take somebody down. They just you know sit on their butt and let the person on top come towards them. Which uh, I can see why some people would yeah. get mad at that. I mean, that's what I would do personally because I don't want to waste time trying to take somebody down and have three minutes go by on the clock and then we've just not done any jujitsu. Yeah, you also got to draw a distinction between like the sport and self defense application, yeah. you know, yeah. because yeah. like, you know, for all of this stuff, right? Like, whatever, like in sport boxing, like, having the gloves changes the way you block punches. Like there's a lot of stuff like that tall stance makes it easy for you to be taken down. Like no one's going to argue that boxing is completely useless or like, you know, shit because certain aspects of sport boxing, like don't apply to self-defense. Have you ever heard people talk about like the evolution of like boxing styles though? Like boxing in the early 1900s versus boxing now. I've heard a little bit about it where, what, like, they, they had their hands out front because they do more body punches. Right, yeah, like, they didn't wear gloves back then. So, yeah. so uh, if you punch someone full force in the head, you would probably break your hand or your Hands, wrist. exactly, exactly. You know? So they did a lot more, like, body um, punches or, or palm strikes and things like that. And so... It's actually like the boxing we see today is like a little bit less realistic than what it would have been. I mean, I guess without gloves. Yeah, hundred percent. Like that's what Boss Rutan says is like you know, 
you should do palm strikes. But then again, he was in Pancras, but like still it's like, yeah, the same arguments don't, um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like jujitsu gets singled out a little bit versus yeah. all, all the other combat sports, which also have their, their flaws. sport-like aspect. Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. Their sport, yeah, their sport-like aspect, yeah. Have you watched any of this bare-knuckle boxing stuff? This new... It looks wild. It looks yeah, wild. I haven't seen much of it, but yeah. I've seen people people's faces after, and it's just like, dang. Oh, yeah. What happened to these people? Looks like they got... The irony by, is like... Uh, yeah, go looks ahead. Looks like they got hit by a truck. Like, Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, the, the cuts and stuff are, are brutal. I guess that's why they banned it, because it just looks so like rough that like the public just lost their appetite for it, you know? They banned it though. I thought it's still like a thing. Uh, I mean, like back in the 1900s, I guess like that, uh, that's why maybe it evolved. Yeah, that way. Yeah, but you, but you know, there's like a new like lead, like Mike Perry is doing it. The like an old the old UFC fighter. Uh, yeah. Artem, what's his name? Artem Lobov. Lobov. Yeah. yeah. He's in it, but they they like wrap their, they still wrap their wrist so you won't break it as much you know that feels a little bit like i mean obviously i don't have grounds to say this but that feels a little bit like a cop-out just because if you if you don't wrap your wrist then then you then you go back full circle and now you're doing the body shots and stuff because you don't want to risk breaking your hand yeah but if you do wrap your wrist now you're just smashing people with like these little bricks i know it's it's even worse now it's even more dangerous than like regular mma or boxing you know yeah exactly exactly and i feel like the biggest argument for it would be to reduce brain damage and make it like safer if anything you know or make it more exciting for spectators which i don't really care that much about but i mean it's a good thing i guess it brings more attention to the sport yeah i don't know how that got passed i don't know i mean is it on like indian reservations or what like that's what they did for MMA, right? In the beginning, yeah. Now it's yeah, like legitimized. Yeah. But yeah, man. You remember when Canada like almost banned competitive jujitsu because they were like it's too, it's too violent. I did not hear that. No. That's yeah. crazy. How insane is that? That's crazy. Right. <laughs> it's the least like violent martial art. I feel like. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like you know it's derived from a sport called the gentle art literally i mean even judo is like you know? more violent yeah five times like i heard the injury rate is five times higher because like of all the falling body weight and stuff but mm-hmm. yeah it is and like wrestling collegiate wrestling and stuff i think there's a lot more injuries in collegiate wrestling yeah than jiu-jitsu but, but. yeah I guess that was that was but, a big off-topic discussion about martial <laughs> arts. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I feel like we stay on topic for for oh, wow. a long time, yeah. and for for the martial arts fans, at least now they got they got something they to got their fix. you know chew on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and there's not a lot to. I mean, that's the thing about 
somebody who would write a book about essentialism is that he only writes the things that are essential <laughs> and and the, yeah. the the points are are pretty simple right in, in, in and of themselves like you don't it doesn't require much pontificating <laughs> to, to really get the message I, there yeah like i think what it's going to require is for everyone to go and do it on their own yeah. like sit down and be like what are the things like like what are the three to five things i have the bandwidth to focus on you know like what 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 am i doing that i need to cut out because i just am a finite person and i can't do all this stuff and who am i saying yes to that i should say no to yeah yeah i, I think we should drill yeah. down a little bit more on that though like what what yeah. what what that process was like for us and like how yeah. how you can do that yeah. for yourself i mean obviously you should just read the yeah. book uh, or listen to it on on audiobook or or whatever mm-hmm. but um like the practical application of yeah of of the process i think is something mm-hmm. we could definitely like focus on i mean i i guess we already i already kind of touched on it like i write down three things that i need to do for the day for work and then i i have like another two or three things that are just kind of daily activities that I, I like to do to sort of stay in my routine. Um, I know for you, meditation is, is a big part of, of your routine. Um, yeah, I've been yeah. trying to work that in a lot more, but it, it definitely hasn't been easy. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, we, we, can, we should do it together sometime. We can, we can do like a guided meditation. I or would something. love that, dude. Yeah. I mean... I feel like yoga is a big, is, is a meditation and it was, it was a big part of my life for a while. And I, I wish I could, I did it more again, you know, that's how I was feeling too. Um, but like, that's why I re- with reading this book, I was like, Hey, this is something I'm, I want to reprioritize because, um, yeah, I just feel like meditation in a way really embodies this where you're literally doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you take naps? So that sense was nice. Uh, I'm not a good napper or sleeper, honestly. I, yeah. yeah, I take reverse naps where I'm just like lying awake at night. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 me too. Like, I find myself trying to, or like, I'll wait. Yeah, I'll wake up too early in the morning, and I'll try to go back to bed, but I'll just like lie there. It's like. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll try to relax. Yeah. And stuff. But, uh, which I guess is better than just like getting up right away. I don't know. I don't know. But. I don't know either. I've been thinking about this very thing like recently. Um, he talks about sleep in the book. Yeah. Sleep is very important. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And um, like yeah, it just it just impacts your your daily life. Oh, yeah. And on this too, a, a lot of people that you know, sometimes will like trade like exercise for work, you know, because they're like, "Hey, I have to get shit done. I care about my career. I don't have time right now to like get these workouts in and stuff, but similar to sleep, getting those workouts in is going to help you." 
it's going to protect the asset it's going to help it's going to actually improve your career too and it's worth it for its own sake but like you know you don't want to run yourself ragged and like deprioritize your your well-being you know to that extent you need to take care of your body i mean that should be your first priority before work or anything because you're gonna work better if your body's feeling better you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and exercise and sleep are two huge factors that are gonna uh, you know improve your your life um yeah, it's like everything's gonna fire better when when you're well rested and when you're healthy. You know, your brain's gonna function better. Your your mind is gonna be more clear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your mood. Yeah, your mood. You know, for sure. Memory, um, like so many things. I saw this great um, video clip, and it, it was like a clip from like an alan watts watts speech i think i told you about this uh oh yeah yeah podcast is basically like talking about um trusting other people and he's basically like why don't you just try to trust more and that that way you'll be able to sleep better at night like trust that your your friend will be able to like (laughs) you know, pull through on, on this meeting, trust that your body will, will wake you, will wake you up at a certain time. Like trust that your Mm. girlfriend will take the dog out in the morning or, or that like the dog will be fine or that like your, you know, your project will be okay the tomorrow or, or whatever, like trust more and that will help you sleep. (laughs) And yeah, that's uh, very interesting. That I mean, uh, it definitely helped me trying to trust trust yeah. trust people more. Like instead of having myself just worry that I have to do everything right and I have to just only can rely on myself and yeah, yeah. It, I think that's a that's a good point. Honestly, that hits me because like. Yeah. I don't trust that much. You neither, know? neither like do I. Yeah. Neither do I. Yeah. It, it 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 hit home for me like super hard, especially after I just got this dog. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like my baseline level of stress kind of increased because now that even though I know like things are gonna be okay, like she's just hanging out outside or whatever like if anything were to go wrong it would be my fault i'm the one that's supposed to be watching her and yeah, all that. yeah and uh, yeah if anything happened it would be my fault people would blame me um mm-hmm. but use uh, again like the trust thing trusting that the dog is going to be okay trusting that people will help you take care of the dog trusting that people will like not blame you if something happened yeah you know right um right yeah it's been huge it's been huge and it's not easy at first but it ties into this too where it's like do you do you trust that if you cut out the extra stuff you'll still be happy you'll still be successful you'll still thrive exactly you know because there's a feeling of like i'm gonna cling to all these things and like 
if I just cling hard enough, like it, it'll work out. You know, it's like your life raft of like busy activities. Yep. You know, just like clearing out your closet. Yeah. Trust that you don't need this old sweater you haven't worn for three hundred years. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That has like holes in it. Dude, I have sweaters like literally with like holes like all over, holes in the armpits, and I just can't throw them out because I like them. Yeah, dude. It's no, it's 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 yeah. crazy. But that that uh that Alan Watts speech was was really something else. I have to send that to you. Yeah, if I Alan it, Watts yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, you definitely should. Um, and actually, that's another idea for. A future uh, podcast episode is The Way of Zen by Alan Watts. Okay. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. Yeah. I've read The Wisdom of Insecurity, which I really liked. How, how is that? It's good. I haven't read it's that good. one yet. It's it's yeah. it's it's worth it. I mean, it's short, you know. Yeah. Um but yeah, we we could do we could do Zen. You know. Yeah, we could do The Wisdom of Insecurity too. Like I have that one on my nightstand and like I just haven't cracked it open yet. But I wanted to because I'm curious about it. I mean, it's good. Yeah. I mean, they're all they're all good. All all of Alan Watts' mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. All right. So final final note notes on this podcast. Um, try to focus. Try to write down like, you know, the 25 things you're trying to do, do the top five and like avoid the other 20, like the plague, um, do some reflection about how you can, you know, pursue the things that matter to you, um, and cut out other things that also matter, but like make the choice, you know, like er there's so many things that matter, but you, you can't do them all. So just make that hard choice and, uh. Any final words on this podcast? Yeah, I'll one? close it out by saying if you don't prioritize yourself, somebody else will. You know? That about sums it up, yeah. honestly. <laughs> so prioritize yeah. yourself. Put yourself first. Focus on the essential. Do your best. Hell yeah. Do your best. Yeah. All right. See you guys yeah, next week. Thank you guys.